Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Folks, we have the founder and CEO of Wave Neuroscience. Please welcome Mr. Fred Walk. Fred, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Did you get out this morning? I didn't. We are having hail and wind and rain. It is really bad today here. A little windy here today. Yeah. You know, I was actually having a conversation uh, with, uh, well, I guess with our Reelers Impact Awards community, and I was trying to educate them about waves. And there's just so many parallels to what waves are, what impact is. And, and if you think about it, a wave is actually not water moving. It's energy moving through water. It's energy moving through a media. And yeah. so I'd like to think about your business as a medium and the energy moving through it. it might be impact. It might be water. What is the energy that catalyzes your business to you? You know, it's 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 taking something that that has been accepted as a way uh, a path to to health, which we're in the mental health space, cognitive health space, right? And so it's really looking at something different and channeling uh, all the incredible innovation and research and talent that exists today in a way that produces just better outcomes than historically were possible. So just bringing new resources and putting them into a channel that that energy can be, you know, concentrated and, and used to move things that had typically been uh, immovable. 
that's how I think about it. Well, Fred, you're a super successful entrepreneur and CEO, and I know that this company re-energized you, and I think it's a yeah. really powerful story. Would you mind sharing it with our audience today? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm happy to tell the story as many times as I can because I know there's people out there that it resonates with. So, you know, I was I was doing some work up in LA with a with a family and, and came across this technology um, by way of them and, and took a peek at it. Very interesting technology, very complicated, but had the opportunity, unfortunately, because of one of my daughters, my youngest daughter had had a pretty significant head injury playing soccer. And you don't think about head injuries in soccer. You think about playing soccer, the joy, the excitement, the fun. And over a period of time of about uh, a year, I watched her personality go from extroverted, outgoing, super high energy, motivated, doing well in school, great friend groups to introverted, not leaving her room, being very sad, very, very upset, um, really just an unhappy little child. And we took her everywhere. I mean, we're fortunate in this day and age to have access to so much information. We, we, we literally went to about every university, every hospital you could imagine, every doctor I could get my hands on. We talked through this and they all just said, she's just an unhappy little child. She's going through a period of time. She's about 14, but fast forward, I, I was called to look at this technology again by the, the then CEO, a very good friend of mine. And he said, you know, come in and take a look. At that time, we talked about my daughter, talked about family, told him a little about the trouble I was having with my child. And he said, let's bring her in, let's do a scan. In a scan that took 10 minutes, I learned more about my daughter than I had in her 14 years of life of how she experiences life. And at that point, he said, hey, you know, I want to ask you questions. Your daughter had a, ever had a head injury? And I didn't think about a head injury. I didn't soccer you had the ball like I, I never thought until that moment that that head injury actually dictated how her life was going to be experienced and in that he showed me some slowing in in a particular area of her brain and uh, something didn't show up on MRI or CT which is where most of the physicians focused us it was electrophysiology it's how the brain actually operated and he said that that's going to feel like depression to her that's going to be uh it's going to make it difficult for her to process the information coming in. And uh, we, he said, you know, why don't we get her into treatment? So at this point, I would have tried anything. I, ju I just wanted my daughter to live her best life. And to be really honest with you, Kevin, she wouldn't have graduated high school on time prior to this treatment. She wouldn't have, she certainly wouldn't have gone to college. And I, I really wonder what her overall health would have been. Each week we saw a little bit of progression. And after three weeks, uh, she was back. I saw my daughter. I could, I could look into her eyes. She was there. She was present and went on to her junior, senior year, getting extraordinary grades, captain of her soccer team, really motivated. And I'm just happy to say that the outcome of that story today is she's in Barcelona studying. She's at University of Alabama, um, taking her spring semester in Europe. She's traveling. She's, she's back. And I tried everything. I, I literally, I would have done anything for my daughter, as most people would. If people don't realize the correlation between a traumatic brain injury and what that means in mental health. And if you look at depression, anxiety, PTSD, many times that starts with some form of a brain injury. And the medical system today is not set up to diagnose that. And at that point in time, I asked Eric, Dr. Eric Wan, again, extraordinary talent and amazing person. Why is this not out in the masses? And he says, because we need somebody like you to commercialize this and help us get it out there. And that day, I'll never forget that day. That day, when I got to see my daughter's brain and how it performed, I put the flag in the ground and said, I'm going to make it my life's mission 
to get this technology out to the masses. And that was an inflection point, a turning point. And uh, it's been an incredible ride. Not all good, not all bad. Just an incredible ride. We're retreating and helping a lot of people. Well, I'm happy to help as well and get this out there, man. I think it's great yeah, work that uh, you guys are you doing. So much. Let's, thank I, I want to draw you. a comparison real quick, though. Something that just kind of came into my mind while, we're, while you were talking. And the way you explained to me before, it's like 10 megahertz coming into a receptor or something, and only it's, it's only able to take like one or two. So it's yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. frustrating, and it just builds up and, and just creates this, uh, this anger, this emotion yeah. that you can't really process. I think that mental health is kind of like uh, medieval times with germs. People didn't really know like what was going on with it. They just, oh, like someone's getting the plague next to me. Like maybe I need to get away from them they, until they, you know, put under the microscope what you know, a germ was, they could see it actually yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this technology, what it's looking for, how it analyzes it and what people can take away from this um, yeah. results. Yeah, you raise a great point. And we talk about it so often, sometimes we glaze over kind of the foundation of what it is. So we're talking about first order principles of physics, right? The the bare root, the, the, the lowest common denominator of mental health, which Mental health is falls into three buckets, right? You have symptoms, pharmaceutical companies like to interact with. You have behaviors, that's where therapists really shine. And then prior to that, you have a neuron disruption. And so the neuron disruption is that radio frequency we were talking about, where if you think about Hertz, think about files per second. So in the alpha frequency, which is the frequency that, that our company focuses on, it's typically considered to be the foundation of all frequencies. Lots of science out there, not just ours, that says that this is this is the frequency to really determine overall cognitive and mental health. So, so everyone's between eight and 13 Hertz. Consider that files per second that you can process. So if you're 10 files per second and you have a slowing in a particular region, like my daughter had, she's slow to seven files per second. So you're receiving 10, but you can only act on seven. So you do things not consciously, it's actually a subconscious thing. It's built into evolution, right? We as humans continue to evolve and we learn to shut off or stimulate ourselves by way of our external environment. And so in this case, you start shutting off stimulus. You start separating yourself from conversation, from communication, from bright, shiny objects, from loud noises. And, and until you can slow your brain down to a place where you can actually process the amount of information that's coming in. And so you see the same thing with anxiety. It's an acceleration right? So I'm receiving 10 files a second, but I want 12, 13 files per second. So I'm fidgety. I'm always looking for something to read and touch and look at. And so it's really, if you think about your brain, you think about this foundational frequency, think about coherence, that all neurons in your brain should be on the same radio station. And when they're not, they stop communicating with each other properly. Mental health or cognitive health always focuses on the output of that. We call it acute care. It's after the injuries present. What we're doing at Wave and what I think is really profound is we can move that into a hygiene. We can start to eliminate mental illness by affecting and working with neuron disruption before it becomes a symptom or changes in behavior. So we really amplify not only the current structure that's designed for mental health, the therapists and the pharmaceuticals, but we can also eliminate a lot of the pain and shame and suffering that comes with mental health. And so, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's, uh, you know, we talk about data, we talk about, about uh, communication in so many ways, right? All the social media apps, all the ways that people can communicate with each other. But when you think about a word, you know, 
20 years ago, we would say a word to word had a meeting. And now with Google and the algorithms around that, we monitor how the word said, what sentence it said in, what the inflection is in that word. And we can start to dictate how a person is thinking, their state of mind, what they might be doing next, and really can get pattern recognition. It's no different. We're just applying that incredible technology now to the brain because of the evolution of not only computer science recently, but computer speed. We can process a lot more information. And that's what really matters when you're looking at all the neurons associated with both cognitive and mental health. Impressive. Now, Fred, um, just for the sake of time, I do want to go into the commercialization and yeah. your business break into this. Obviously, we have a problem. Now we have a, a solution. Um, walk our audience through kind of how expensive this solution was. Um, how did you approach this, uh, this task? Uh, and, and I guess, what was your approach toward growth? Okay. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great question. So, uh, one, we believe in access to care, right? Um, there are limitations to care. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's logistics. Sometimes it, it's it's just competence, right? Having the competent people being able to administer it. And so, our platform is how do we create the greatest access to this care, uh, both with insurance reimbursement and without. And so when I met this technology, it was about $20,000 for a four week course of treatment. So it was really for the rich and famous. Um, about two years after that, the kind of the retail price was about 12,000. Uh, pricing had started to come down. There were more players, more people offering it you know, in the market, uh, licensees, uh, so to speak. And so uh, today uh, our effective price is around 5,400 for our clinical operation. But we have a mobile device that we've just launched into the market that has a lot of the same benefits. It takes a little bit longer because we're lowering the energy to make it a consumer-friendly uh, in-home device. But we're able to do a course of treatment for less than $1,000 now. And so when you think about medicine and you think about healthcare, everyone talks about the rising costs of healthcare. Well, we've taken uh, about $18,000 out of the cost of care starting at a $20,000 mark. And so we know that that gains access. We also know that in the traditional healthcare system through co-pays, going through psychiatry or going through therapy or going through pharma or just physician visits, those co-pays add up pretty quick. And if you think about the cost of our treatment, which has incredible durability, means it lasts a long time. We typically see good results for years, not just weeks after the treatment is completed. You, you start to understand it's, the value proposition is not only if you want to pay cash for this, is it affordable, but for our insurance, providers, we're actually lowering the cost of their care and increasing the efficacy or outcomes for the patients. So we're trying to make it win on all fronts. And we find that that's been very successful. And it honestly has led to some extraordinary growth. We launched this company in June, 2019. We had three locations. We are over a hundred, I think we're at 110 today, uh, as a matter of fact. And we are treating just under a thousand patients a month. We have 23,000 patients treated today today. And Fred, uh, let's expand on that a little bit more, uh, whether it's the yeah. partnerships, uh, getting the product into the hands of the people who need it most. Um, over the past, was this four years now, what are some of the, uh, I guess, the, the largest factors that have attributed to this growth? How would you summarize that? Again, Great questions. It's such an honor to be able to do what we do because we get to work with some of the most amazing populations you can imagine. So I'll start with the military. My dad was a Marine. I didn't serve because I had a, a, a difficult relationship with the military growing up as a Marine brat. But 
uh, I serve now. And so one of my really good friends, Britt Slavinsky, he's a Medal of Honor recipient. Um, he and I had a really interesting conversation when I started this business um, about just what it can do for not only the military community, but the greater community at large, right? And so with the military community, and we'll talk about special warfare operations, so SOCOM, Navy SEALs, Delta Rangers, all the all the ones that get the movies made after them, typically, we have profound results. We had such great results with the SEAL community that SOCOM helped sponsor our FDA trial. They said, we're going to bring you our toughest, hardest, really kind of the gnarliest cases you could imagine. And if you can get results with them, then we can see where that goes. And we had not only results, we had really, really good results. And uh, from there, we moved into other communities that, you know, autism is a community we, we do extraordinary work with. Um, ABA therapy is, is really the foundation for, for these families and children. And we try to be additive to that. So we moved from, you call it military, kind of the tip of the spear to athletes, um, NFL, NCAA. We're with some SEC schools now, um, Formula One, uh, Formula E racing. Um, I mean, it's just anywhere cognitive performance or mental performance matters, this technology has a home. And we always have this, we have this saying that you don't have to, be sick to want to feel better. And so performance has really become an interesting, interesting uh, opportunity, uh, helping people before they get ill or helping people be at the top of their game. So yeah, we're really blessed with the communities we get to work with. Now, Fred, uh, you know, you're a great entrepreneur, but as you know, you know, it takes a team, it takes a group to kind of achieve uh, something like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of the leadership lessons that you try to instill uh, in the other leaders to empower them to sustain something like this. Yeah, you know, that first of all, I, I always I say this jokingly, but I'm so serious. I, I always try to be the dumbest person at the company. I hire people that are so much smarter than me, and I love to be around them and listen to them talk. I get in engineering or science talks that my head feels like it's going to explode. And I and I feel like as a leader, if you're not challenging yourself by hiring people or surrounding yourself with people that truly are just extraordinary, so much better than you, you're really doing yourself a disservice. I mean, that's so many people try and hire people that are subordinate to them and try and rally them and lead them. And, and quite honestly, hire people that are just really, really smart. And so with when I look at my team, I am so proud of the people that I get to work with because they amaze me every day. Um, they're very, very smart, top, kind of tip of the spear across all, all modalities. And that being said, it, it's really, it, I teach them or tell them, listen to the market. I'm, I'm a commercial guy, right? My, my career has been turning around companies, doing rapid startups or technology transfers, taking a technology that's sitting dormant and put it into commercial use. And if you're listening to the market, and I truly mean listen, don't think you know, don't go in with predetermined ideas, just listen, the market's going to tell you what to do. And in this case, the market's telling us the mental health system is broken as it is. There's bottlenecks. There's constraints. People are not getting to the endpoints of being fully resolved from symptoms. So let's think differently about it. Let's look at it differently. Let's apply all the technologies and the assets and the resources. And, and most important, let's put the smartest people on it. I love the analogy that's been used many, many times of, you know, what would Apple do if they just were trying to solve this problem? What would Google do if they were trying to solve this problem? And, and we take the same approaches. Let's not be held victim to our decisions of the past or the ways of the past. Let's rethink it. And 
getting a team together and giving them the freedom to think outside the box and think really how do we get to 100% resolution versus 70% is good enough, which is typically medicine is, you know, it's about 30%, actually 30% is good enough. And, you know, with our treatment, um, about 83% of the people respond to our treatment. We're in a pharmaceutical industry, about 30% of the people will respond. So we feel really good about what we're doing. And again, it's just, it surround yourself with amazing people, like not your friends, not people you just like, but people who truly stretch you and make you a little uncomfortable with their knowledge. Hire people that are smarter than you, right? I love that. <laughs> always, and, and always. Genius. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Fred, you mentioned that a, a question in there. You know, what, what would Apple be doing? Right? What, yeah. what, what is a common question that you ask yourself when it comes to big decisions? And how do you know that the de- could it, it could be, yeah. you know, what's what's a question that you think of that often throughout your career, just to make sure you're making the right decision, I guess. You know, I I have this schizophrenia within myself where I'm always second guessing and always analyzing the decisions I make each day. I go home, I rethink them, I iterate on them, and if this, then three steps out, what would that look like? I'll tell you the the probably one of the most important things is are you thinking big enough? We get so framed in with our thinking and the, what we see, the surroundings. Like, you know what you did this morning. You know what it took to get to work. You saw whatever you saw on your drive-in, and it is what it is, right? But when you zoom out and you think there's, you know, counties adjacent to you, there's states adjacent to you, there's countries adjacent to you, like, are you thinking big enough? And that is, I fell victim that early in my career. I always thought, take the company and just manage it within the rails of whatever the industry is. And just that, that's what you're supposed to do. And I'd say that really success started to kind of uncork for me when I hired people really, really smart that were a little scary for me to even be in the same room with and thinking much bigger. How can you change? You know, people use this NFL analogy. I want to own the Dallas Cowboys or I want to own, you know, the LA Rams. I want to own the NFL. I want to, I want to, have all the teams playing. I want to see the entire puzzle. And so that's something that, that I fell victim to early in my career. And, you know, you always have to continue to push yourself to think big and, and you know, execute small, think big. And, that, and that's kind of the model that I, I follow is pay attention to the details of the little things and stack those little things together and they become the big things, but keep your vision on the big thing. And that's why I think about changing mental health as an industry, not just selling wave neuroscience products to people. It's not about that. Interesting. Now, Fred, what outside of business helps you get into that flow state where ideas come to you, these big concepts come to you, and why do you think that is? Being around smart people, surrounding myself with people who just, I admire. I, I, there's not a person I work with today that I don't admire. There's not a person that I have on my board or that I have as investors. I mean, I have some of the best investors on the planet. Like, you just... I mean, truly extraordinary people. And so uh, the, putting yourself in positions where you can hear perspectives and thoughts of people who um, are well-schooled, and I don't just mean formal education, I mean, experience, um, really failures, what did they learn from that? Learn a lot from our military friends who have been through really horrific, bad things, and how did they persevere and come through that? And then I think about it overall, like where where are we trying to go as a, as a company? What are we, what are we trying to do as a company? 
what am I trying to do individually? And, you know, I'll tell you, a lot of that thought happens. I'm sitting on my surfboard. I had an episode this week. I'm out on my surfboard. I'm by myself. My buddy's, you know, 50 yards away. A couple of dolphins swim by. It's just kind of a surreal moment. And I was thinking to myself, I'm so blessed to have the passion and purpose of the business that I'm involved with, that I'm changing lives, helping people get off of drugs, helping people live their best life. That inspires me. And then it's almost like an obligation to not screw it up, not fail, which is, you know, another reason why you seek out the best talent, right? It, I don't have the best ideas. The best ideas are out there. We're going to find them, but if they reside with other people. They reside with other situations. They reside with more information or education. So yeah, I find it in, in any part. I find it playing with my children. You know, they're adults now, but we still have incredible uh, competition among ourselves. I find it with my wife on a bike ride where I just see a perspective. I see a business, the way it's facing the public, the way they handle their customer service. And I think, they could do it so much better or wow, they really have it figured out. So find inspiration every day from just about everything. If you really slow down and listen and look. I love that. And, and Fred, just to bring this back to where we started with ways, what has been like the major parallel you've been able to draw from surfing to business? You know, surfing is an interesting sport, right? It, it It's, is it a lifestyle? Is it a sport? Should it be judged? Should it just be an expression like art? Serving, it doesn't matter what you did on the last wave. There's another wave coming at you. And so your memory has to be pretty short. And I think in business, we develop these paradigms, these thoughts, and we hold ourselves hostage to either decisions we've made, mistakes we've made, or opportunities that we seize. And we think just because that one was great, the next one will be too. And it's not you, it, every, everything is work, right? Every time you approach it, you have to start from the beginning. You have to look for pattern recognition. Of course, you have to see how things are, are shaping. And sometimes you can recognize those more quickly, right? But the fact that it, it takes effort to surf, it's not just easy. Everyone thinks oh, I'm going to grab a surfboard. I love it. When I see tourists come in, they're going to grab a surfboard, they're going to surf. They're going to go rip. They're going to be Kelly Slater today. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard, but it's fun. And, and that's business. It's hard. But I mean, if you're not having fun with it, and I hear this all the time, you know, I'm a little bit later in my career. I think about all the stress I put on myself in my younger days, thinking I had to be a certain way, or I had to show up a certain way, or I had to have a certain type of education, or I had to and it, just be yourself. Just let yourself shine through and that's what i think surfing does for you whether it's a style the type of board you ride the way you dress just just be yourself and have have a blast it's 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 all going to change i mean i've had nine careers and i still don't know what i want to do when i grow up you know what i mean i love that that's beautiful i can feel it from you fred yeah and all of this let's bring this home what is your definition of a real leader man i hear that question i i, I it's there's so many great definitions out there. The way I think about it is that you see potential in people or things or situations that they may not see themselves. And then you put resources or structure or assets around them so that they can realize it. And that's how I think about it. Like I'm a, I'm a sommelier of people and I try to maximize the value of them by complimenting them with the other people that will cause them to stretch and be stretched. That, it's not the most eloquent, but that's kind of how I think about it. For Fred Walk, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be stretched, and always, folks, keep it real. Thanks, Fred. Oh, thank you.
Thank you so much. Hey, Relators, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Relators.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.